0: Episode 265, The Rant, Marty Shafrilla, Board 41 certified basketball official, patiently waiting for the next thrill on the court. It was only 11 months ago since when we last were on the court together for the first time. But the coronavirus. In this pod, we pull up to a park in Massapequa, New York, to talk about his early life playing sports in Elmont, his legendary Lax team, the technical foul he deserved on court to fuel him to become an official himself, to his ascendancy to becoming one of the top basketball refs on long island all that and more my conversation with marty now the rant has been brought to you by geo studios now open they are located one block south of westbury train station in the heart of long island new york looking to bring your art or event to life trying to record a podcast enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content it also includes an 800 square foot cyclorama wall studio A state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by The Irrefutable Magazine. Co-editor in design Kevin Sparrick and co-editor at large Ralph Fernolas decided to combine both of their talents in writing and illustrations to bring to you a new online experience from an official's perspective. They both ref, but it's deeper than officiating. They create art for all time. Do you think your brand would be a good fit for The Irrefutable Magazine audience? Want to advertise with us? Visit us at theirrefutable.com slash sponsors for more information. We are the Irrefutable. Welcome to a special outdoor edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest, fellow Board 41 basketball official. Of course, he also serves on the board, administratively, on Board 41. And who knows, the next time we will be reffing Mr. Marty Shafilla. How are you, my friend? Little fist bump. (laughs) welcome to the show man excited beyond excited (laughs) how surprised uh how referee rand has gotten to this way and and i'll only say that because i remember when i first started this my intentions were very pure all i wanted to do was just kind of like highlight my friends showcase them i remember how nervous i was when i asked don landolfi and he really (laughs) put the kibosh on it because he's like what is this a radio show (laughs) that's That's the old school so i go to his house and I think I, I tapped into something that I never would have thought. It was unbeknownst to me, because when I spoke to him at length, I think it was the first time he ever thought at length of his whole officiating career. He's always thought about it bits and pieces. So I know for me, when I was in his class, he was just like,
1: yeah, when I was doing this and
0: Valbano and, 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 and and, and was yelling at me. And it was like he never got a chance to tell his whole story sure. from soup to nuts. So, sure. um, yeah, are you surprised that it's gotten this far?
1: Well, I follow you on Instagram. And I was saying it before how I love to see I saw Chris Tranquina, Tom Camarella, Don Landolfi. I saw a bunch of guys that I knew that you had on the show that you interviewed, and it was really good stuff. Al Johnson, really good stuff, really into it. Then I started getting into the guys I don't know, guys from the boroughs, women's sports, really, really exciting stuff, really branching out. I'm proud of you, man. I man, I appreciate <laughs> that, man, and. Welcome to the show. and I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I told you that. When you called me and said, I want to get you in Massapequa, I want to get you here, I want to sit you in front of a microphone, I'm like, I'm yours. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Yours. So,
0: I mean, I've always thought about this, and I think I've gotten so much equity from doing it so long that people, it's, it's a lot easier. In the beginning, was like, what is this? I'm, I'm reluctant to do it, but I'm happy I'm in a position to be able to, because, you know, Board 41 to me is very special because I do like to get recognized. By my peers, of you know course. what I'm saying? Because even, even though the games to me aren't as nearly as good as the ones in the city, sure. it's very important that Absolutely. Uh, I don't forget where I came from. Absolutely. But you know, we were talking off air just when we were walking here, and currently we're at Marjorie Post, where I got a lot of memories here from the time that I lived in Massapequa like 15 years ago. I remember playing that basketball court just trying to do like plyometric workouts to <laughs> try to dunk. But that was another lifetime. <laughs> this is now when obviously the coronavirus has changed completely everything. And we were talking off air of everything's kind of shut down and I was just mentioning to you at the school that I coach at Kellenberg they have a lecture hall in the gym and you know I was even talking to Tommy the other day just about the path of of going I I just don't foresee them being like the Madison Square Garden stage and sound and lighting group where they're just going to take this out and then put the ice back on I think that it might be frozen for a little bit so First, I wanted to ask you, how are you holding up during the COVID-19 global pandemic? How's your family doing? And when do you think was the moment that you took all of this, like, real serious?
1: Knock on wood, everybody in my family, thank God, is doing well, trying to stay as safe as possible. I have two kids in college. I have one at Oswego. She would battle your Kellenberg team two years ago as a senior in Massapequa. And she's playing volleyball up there, which has been put on hold indefinitely. They're having some issues up there, college kids, mm-hmm. not being as safe as they should be. And I got another older son who goes to the University of Tampa. And it seems like Florida is doing a little bit different. He's trying to stay as safe as possible. It's a scary time. It's real. Yep. Retired from the police department 10 years ago. Got a job at Plain Edge High School doing security. I remember in March on a Friday when they told us the school was going to be closed down. It's actually a Thursday. We're going to close down on Friday because of this pandemic. And I remember telling everybody, man, we'll be back Monday, maybe Tuesday, they'll clean the bill, and they'll figure this out. It's surreal, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy.
0: So I, I know for me, I remember that particular night when everything closed, and I remember it was, uh, I think it was the Thunder versus the Jazz when the NBA okay. shut down. And sure. I remember doing a, an adult league at Lifetime Fitness, and I just remember it was like, oh, man, the NBA closed, and they preempted it during the game. Little did I know of all of the successive things that were going to happen. And I remember those first two months, they were just like very difficult, very jarring. Sure. And I know as as somebody that was an officer in New York City, you know, you had that experience with 9-11. How did that compare and contrast what we were going through March and April versus what you went through during 9-11?
1: Yeah, 9-11 was a uh, eerie, eerie time. When 9-11 hit, I was actually home dropping my daughter, who was it's three at the time at nursery school uh, the planes hit we got called into work and it started a procession of i'd say five to six months of seven days a week down at ground zero mm. especially those first few weeks down there it felt like you're walking in a fog and i always said those are the stories i'm going to tell my grandkids that's what i live through that's what i live through is that 9-11 experience now you get something like this, and I'm not down playing 9-11. I lost people that I know in 9-11, so I take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. But now I take something like this, and I get that same fog feeling. People are losing their lives. Businesses are shut down. It's it's really it's scary. Yeah. It's really scary. And, uh, again, trying to stay as safe as possible. Want to get back to normalcy as much as anybody. Want to get back on that court. Want to blow the whistle. Want to get yelled at by a coach. <laughs> Want to do something. But you got to be careful.
0: Right, and... I think the difference, well, I think what's similar about this is that, you know, there was an invisible enemy that came through and, and hit the towers. And I remember at that time I was 20 years old and I just remember that day so vividly because uh, Michael Jordan was on the front of Newsday mm-hmm. and he was talking about coming back to the Wizards. And then I remember life just completely changed after that, especially in New York. But this is like so different because I just remember there was a stat early on in which said, we've lost as many lives as 9-11 triple that every day yeah. and it's an invisible enemy and I think that's the reason why there's a lot of people that there's just comparing and contrasting styles of some people take it serious some people don't and yeah. I really think it's our human behavior right because we don't really have a centralized way of handling it right sure. New York we're handling it this way yeah. Florida's handling it this way and just over the course of the couple months was like oh wow look at Virginia they're doing bad and mm. it's like I thought we're the United States and I think that's the reason sure. why and yeah I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, like, do you have a discernible path of when this is going to have a finality? Do you know? When do you Uh, think, if you had an educated guess? If I had an
1: educated guess, I'd say I don't have an educated guess because I see it now starting to pick up a little bit. You just saw uh, the mayor of New York come out, and he closed about nine zip codes in in, in Brooklyn, Queens. and, And apparently there's a few more on that list, and now they're talking about shutting down businesses that aren't essential. And you're talking about not only livelihoods of people who have corona, but livelihoods of people who are running business trying to, you know, raise their families and, and, and make a living. Unfortunately, I don't think we're out of the woods. Mm-hmm. I pray there's not a second wave. It's the big term now. There's going to be a second wave come flu season. I don't know, Ralph, man. It's, again, I, I, it's scary. It's scary. I said it three times. It's a scary thing to look at the future with Yeah, this.
0: And we uh, continue for everyone to completely stay safe because at the end of the day, even if you're in economic ruin, financial ruin, mm-hmm. I would rather be ruined in that way than Absolutely. not be alive <laughs> Absolutely. to see the other side. Absolutely. So my prayers and thoughts are to everybody that's been affected. And I know that everybody has been affected one way or the other. But the other thing, and I think this would be good for, for you to touch on that sensitive subject with all this racial injustice. Yeah. You know, I, I know you personally and I never think of you as a police officer. But I do know that I know so many people in the force that are great guys that I have camaraderie with, that I never think of them in that way. And I know it's the same thing with referees, right? Some referees treated by the book. I have never been that type of official. I've always been somebody that's affable, understandable, empathetic, Mm. because I'm a coach myself, so I completely understand the type of game plan and preparation that they do. But this racial injustice is real, right? These peaceful protests and rallies, I can understand where their pain is coming from, but it's got to be different through the lens of somebody that, is a retired police officer and you see all of this stuff happening across the country. Just really quickly, what are your thoughts on all this racial injustice and these peaceful protests, rallies?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what this country is built on, right? Having peaceful protests, being able to to say what you feel, being able to rally with your fellow Americans and and get out there. And I hate this term, but fight the system, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes this country great. And if we lose that part of our country, if we lose that where we can't go out and protest peacefully... To show our concern, to show that we're not happy the way things are going, we want something to change, mm-hmm. then what's the sense of it all? Yeah. Unfortunately, just like there are bad cops, there's bad people out there doing some bad things protesting. There's bad apples everywhere. Dare I say there's bad officials out there. There's bad apples in every walk of life. It's a, it, Again, and now you want to talk about the perfect storm, you have this pandemic coming down on everybody, coming into the summer, and then all of a sudden... This blows up. Mm. And it's this perfect storm of just what's going on. It's crazy. just want everybody to stay safe. Mm. Again, I have no problem with people protesting peacefully and what they believe in, as long as it's done the right way. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, there will be some change. We're all one, man. Come on. And and you know that on a basketball court. You get on that basketball court. You know, we wear those stripes. We're officials. That's what we are, you know. But we're all human. We're all human.
0: Yeah, and and the reason I think... The energy is the way it is, and it's not really a cop thing or a black thing or a white. It's, it's really a humanity thing. Yeah. We just want everyone to treat everyone equal. And, you know, hopefully there is some sort of systemic change with all of that. But I've been so excited to finally get you on this because, you know, I think about the time, <laughs> I think the first time I saw you, I was like, man, <laughs> this guy is like, what I liked about you is that I could tell that you had experience, but you had such a youthful spirit mm-hmm. amongst yourself. And I really, truly feel that officiating can really either adventure gears or if you kind of treat it with enthusiasm, it kind of just makes you younger. It makes you like want to be part of the game. And I always identified you in that category because it identified a lot of myself with what you were doing. And I just remember in the beginning when I was like still in middle school and junior high, I was like, man, I I want to be like this particular official. (laughs) <laughs> when you make your push call and you do it like <laughs> the like, this guy got a little swagger in him.
1: Got to have a little swag in your game. Don't let down Lundolfi hear me say that, but a little swag in your game. Nothing wrong with that.
0: But obviously your daughter plays volleyball. You must have been involved with, with sports all of your life. And I want to know, I want to tap into where that passion comes. So having said that, where did you grow up? What did you play growing up? What did you play in middle school, high school, and a
1: college? Born in Woodside. Woodside, Queens. Came out to Elmont, Long Island, uh, home of the Spartans. First second grade, I played everything when I was young. I was a baseball player, basketball player, played football, played lacrosse. we whatever was in front of me, we played. I played. I just love sport. My passion at the time when I was younger was baseball. I loved playing baseball, got into high school, played baseball in ninth grade, and all my friends started picking up lacrosse sticks mm. and they all started to play lacrosse. So what did I do in tenth grade? I decided to go and pick up a lacrosse stick now, my senior year which was 1987, mm-hmm. the Elmont lacrosse team won the state championship. We had guys like Matt Panetta, Pat McCabe, anybody who's in the lacrosse community, they hear those two names, and they, they were beyond their time. And, of course, what did I do my senior year? I went and I played baseball because that <laughs> was my passion. So I lost out on that state championship. But that being said, if you ask anybody in Elmont, who was the third best lacrosse player in Elmont history? They will not tell you Marty Schifrella because Marty Schifrella was the worst <laughs> lacrosse player in Elmont history. But I played because of my friends. I wanted to be with my friends. It was a sport they loved, and they were playing on that cardinal youth level that I really was, not I was still playing Little League. I tried it. I was no good at it. I went back my senior year. I played baseball. I wish I would have stuck it out. Baseball was definitely my passion. But uh, loved football, loved basketball, Uh, went to Malloy College, walked on to the Malloy College basketball team. Toby Knight, ex-Nick, was the coach back then. This is 1988. Right before the season starts, Toby left. A new coach came in, and that was it. I went from seven seven man off the bench to down at the end of the bench. So, uh, thank God, at 18, I took the police test. At 20, the college thing was kind of here and there, and my dad said, hey... Let's jump on this. And I mm. did. not you know, thank God. Thank God it all worked out.
0: Mm. Before we go on, I haven't heard that name Toby Knight in so mm. long. And the only reason why I know him is because there used to be probably like five. High- I lived in Baldwin, which mm-hmm. is right behind. And I'm sure you know Ferrying Deli because you went to Malloy. So I lived in a predominantly black neighborhood. But I remember all these white people would come to this deli. And I'm like, aren't they afraid? I just never understand why they would come. But I remember there was this girl named Stacy. And Stacy was so tall. And Stacy mm. was in sixth grade when I was in first oh, grade. Oh,
1: I know where you're going with this.
0: Stacy Knight was so <laughs> yes, tall. Yes, I, I know exactly. She used and, to be at every practice, And everyone's bro. like, who is? <laughs> <laughs> come to find out that this guy's the next. I never knew that yeah. he was the Malloy coach. But Toby Knight was, he lived on my block. For- That's funny
1: because Toby's claim to fame at Malloy, he would take every freshman before a certain practice, and he'd play him one-on-one to five. And it was my turn. And he said, come on, you're, you're up, Rook, let's go. And he goes, I'm the coach, I get the ball first. So he gets out towards the three-point line, and I take a step back, and he kind of gives me a funny look, and he drains it. And he goes, son, I'm a professional. You better guard me. (laughs) So he beat me (laughs) 5-1. But what a gentleman. Um, Didn't know him for that long. In this short, short, short period of time, I practice for him and played in some um, scrimmages for him. He was a great guy, great ball player. And, uh, yeah, I remember his daughter. She was at every practice. When him,
0: was man. the last time you heard the name Stacy Knight?
1: Uh, probably once I left when I left <laughs> Beloit. <laughs> I haven't heard that name that Toby funny. Knight in yeah. about 30 yeah. years. Good stuff. Good man. I think he Good moved, man. like, around 1990. He left he left Malloy and I don't know what the circumstances were and and it just for me it wasn't the same it was the same he was a great guy great guy
0: I just remember I was like seven years old at the time I was like wow so like when people are like my son thinks I'm tall and I'm like five nine so (laughs) when when I was seven years old I was probably shorter than my son that guy was like six eight (laughs) six nine so he just was giant (laughs) I thought Stacy was a giant person and I was going to school with her so. so That whole experience playing baseball, lacrosse, Mm. basketball in college Mm. for a little bit, a short stint, what was your perception of officials growing up doing (laughs)
1: that? Funny you ask. I was not, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, I was not the the nicest person to officials. And it was actually the reason I got into basketball officiating. I was playing at a league in Rockville Center. I guess I was in my mid-twenties, late-twenties, and... Quite honestly, I was in a league that was a little over my head. We got guys that we played with that played some Division Two ball, Division One ball. Even had a couple of guys in the league who played overseas and came back for the summer. Was the played. white
0: Jordan Tommy Caramella playing? No,
1: <laughs> no. Tommy Tommy was only an indoor guy, man. You, those knees can't hold up, even as a young man on those yeah. outdoor courts for Tommy. I'm kidding, Tommy. And we were in the middle of a game, and we're up big. And the uh, team just comes back on us and just, just keeps coming back, coming back. Then we're down five, then we're down seven, then we're down eight. And now it's time for us to foul. And they have the ball and kid sees an open lane and goes into dunk. So I go to which I thought I blocked his shot, but apparently I fouled him and ref called it. So I had a few choice words and boom, wacky gave me one. And I said what everybody says to an official once in their life, hey, that's the best call you made all night. <laughs> boom. He said, Have a nice time in the parking lot. So I turned to him and I said, Listen. You're the worst official I've ever seen. You're making a very easy job hard. I'm going to show you how to be an official. I'm going to take the class. He said, OK. And he waved to me as I walked into the parking lot. His name was Scott Manchin, was the official. I'll never forget. I went home, called my friend Chris McKeo, whose father was on the board, our board, 41 at the time, Jim McKeo. And I said, How do I get into this basketball fishing? He goes, he goes, I'd love you to get in, man. You go to these classes, you take this test. He yeah. goes, We need young guys. This is great. You've played a little. You got a little bit of a swag to you. you. You're going to be good at this, he goes. But I'm telling you, Marty, this is this test isn't bullshit. You gotta gotta read that book. Yeah. I said, I've been playing basketball my whole life. What do you mean I got to read this? What are we talking about? And he hands me this book, and it's the size of the Bible. And I sit in class, and at the time, it was Jimmy Green was giving the class, and it, what a wonderful, wonderful man. And um, you're right, the the, the test, you, you got to get into those rules. I, I tell you, I I had a tough time and I really had to get into it and take those practice tests. I'm making a long story longer. I get through that. I get through the floor test. I go to my first game which is in Seaford. It's a junior high game and I walk in and I'm nervous. I'm nervous as heck. I'm nervous. I walk into the locker room and who's sitting there but Scott Manchin. (laughs) It's a true story. The guy who threw me out of the game. Now my stomach is already in knocks. Now it just drops. And he comes over and he introduces himself and I say, okay, man. He doesn't recognize me. This is great. <laughs> Shake hands. We go out. Greatest guy in the world. Constructive criticism. Praised me. Told me good positioning. He was not, he, the perfect first partner anybody could ask for. I walked out of that gym feeling like a million bucks. Went back to the locker room. We're changing. And I said, Scott, man, I gotta, I gotta confess something to you, bro. I go, uh, do you recognize me? He goes, Yeah, you're the guy I threw out of the game two summers it's ago. Told me. Like <laughs> He goes, yeah, I knew who you was. Oh, Scotty. Mm. That's how I got into official That's but, so funny. Uh, I wasn't the best with official. I was I was a player who wasn't a skilled basketball player. Mm. I was a banger. I would rebound. I'd play some defense. Had a little speed to me. Wasn't a skilled guy. Couldn't dribble much. Maybe had a decent mid-range jumper at best. I just wanted to be better than I was. Mm. And it was all good, though. Love the game. Loved the game, no end. So I got a couple of thoughts from what
0: you said. Mm. So... I wholeheartedly agree. Anybody that's trying to take that class, completely take it serious because I didn't take it serious because I was a good basketball player. <laughs> and it's so hard to unlearn when you know too much. Yes. Because mm-hmm. you, you have so much hubris. You think that, oh, this is easy. I've, I've done all these. But when you have such a mixture of watching the pros, watching college, and going back to the ABA rules, it's very difficult to learn if you don't just open or unlearn what you think you already Absolutely. know. That's one. So I failed the first time and ended yeah. up taking it again, and I was humbled by that. Sure. But, you know, I think for me, I was lucky because basketball was my fourth sport. I already did flight football. I already did softball. And adult softball is like, oh yeah, that really puts <laughs> you through the wringer. <laughs> oh. Then I did lacrosse, and then finally I did basketball. So I remember that first time when you're doing those scrimmages, and remember, you're already over your head. Sure. And they throw you into those varsity scrimmages. Yeah. I already had a good voice, and I already had a good whistle. I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> but I, know, I remember Donnie going, oh, I like this guy's whistle. First of all, don't know more peas.
1: Get this guy's whistle.
0: <laughs> so um, what I'm trying to drive at is more so, I think when you first start officiating, you think about when you play basketball, especially when you're like playing in the playground. You know it's out of bounds. You know when it's a travel, you remember oh, the yeah, score. Oh, yeah. But then when you hold all of those things, multi, it reminds me of like, your perception of when you're a kid like I can't wait to drive I can't wait till I get my license until you're like oh
1: I really gotta press the brake or I'm gonna hit the car you're right 100%
0: what was that experience like that first time because I think it was like a flash moment Mm -hmm. where you 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 could empathize with what's his name Scott? Yeah, Scott. You, get, you could yeah. empathize with them like, oh, this is way harder yeah. than I thought, and oh, this yeah. is junior high. Yeah,
1: oh, absolutely, and it and it it happened like you said during those varsity scrimmages, warming up for that floor test. I remember, I'm standing baseline as the lead official, and the ball comes trickling out of bounds, and I watched it go out of bounds, and it was either Landolfi or someone screaming, "You got to blow the whistle!" And I just kind of froze. You know, it's it. It, you want to talk about humbling? You're a basketball player. You've been playing basketball your whole life. Put the whistle in your mouth. Start running up and down the court. It is. It, it's not that easy, and everybody will same. tell you that. It's not, you know, the, same. It's not
0: the, the same. I think. I think with basketball players, I always try to have them on my show and get this to the understanding of like, if you're a big man, you know what you're doing. You know the role you're playing. You know you're not bringing up the ball. You're gonna bring. To, you're gonna go to this spot and you're gonna wait and you're gonna park and then you're gonna do this. If you're a point guard, you're gonna bring up the ball. You're gonna go here. Then you're gonna. You're gonna screen away. You know that. But when when you're a basketball official, you're literally watching all of these different machinations and different matchups and trying to figure out what the time and the score is and the shot clock. So I definitely urge anybody (laughs) to try to officiate. Absolutely. You know, I think coming from the same background that you you did, so in Nassau County, I didn't understand that you had to go through. Well, first, I didn't understand that you had to wait a year.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And then you get into the junior high thing, which is like, it's very difficult to learn, and it's difficult to not get bad habits because there's so many people going out the door, sure. and there's so many new officials that don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So it's really difficult to kind of get pitted to somebody that it's like a Scott that will give you those constructive— You kind of have to, like, fortuitously have somebody give you the attention. And then by the time I got to—I'll never forget my first JV game. It was with— um, I think this gentleman just died. It was a black gentleman he was from Glen Cove. Mm. I forget his name, but okay. I just remember there was a shot clock, and I was like, "Oh, we got to do a shot clock," because I'm so used to doing CYO <laughs> yeah, games, JV yeah, games, junior high games. Of and course. I remember when they were like, "So it's 35." And yeah. I mean, I'm just being real. I had no idea <laughs> what, what was you. going on. So, when was that moment for you that you started going? You know what? I want to try to be the best I can be. I want to try to make it to the varsity level. What was those steps?
1: So that's actually a a very interesting, great question. It's an interesting question. When I started this journey, even on the junior high and JV level, I loved it. I knew I loved it. I knew I wasn't great at it. I knew I had a lot to learn, but I loved it. So I started going to a few camps. A few guys took a look at me, Sammy Dominic, a couple guys who were on the board at the time. And I got bumped up to varsity pretty early. And quite honestly, probably not the best decision for them. I remember my first game, which I try to forget, <laughs> which was just awful. But I remember my second game. Because after that first game, that was just, it was an abomination. I was almost like, well, I went home, and I, and I really, I had like a, no, I, I, see I sat why down. I, yeah, I said, yeah. man, I go, this is, do I want to do this? Do I want to do this two, three times a week? And just, you know. So my second game, I'm with Bobby Testa. Bobby Testa, big Bang, division one basketball official. and nervous,
0: nervous at the time? Nervous
1: as, nervous as anything. And game's going smooth and uh i have a uh i'm the trail official and there's a five, i have a five second count and kids are trapping and i'm i'm chopping my hands and i'm looking great and i get to four and coach calls a timeout and i give it coaches can't call a timeout then and then all of a sudden the player calls a timeout but i'm about to get the five give them the timeout coach comes over and goes marty thank you it'll be a short i'm like they know my name the coach knows my name i'm on my way so i walk over to bobby and bobby goes marty great job Way to keep that count, way to not give the coach timeout, let the player call, great job. And he goes, I go, ah, thanks. He goes, how much time left on the shot clock? Mm. I said, what? I go to turn around. He goes, don't turn around. How much time left on the shot clock? Uh, I said, "Uh, Bobby, I don't know. He goes, take a guess. And I said, 18 seconds? He goes, three, good job. He goes, this is what I'm talking about. You gotta know where you are. Mm. You did a great job. You had your count, you called your timeout, you went to the table. Take a look at that clock. Little lessons like that. And I'll never forget that. And still something I got to work on. Clock management and seeing that clock and mm. making sure you know what it is. Mm. But just that little, that little saying, you don't know how much time is on that shot clock. You say, no, Bobby, I don't. He goes, something to think about. Something to think about.
0: Damn, that's that's such a yeah, great story. good story. So, yeah, it's good I guess I want to interweave that with my own story. So I felt like I was never going to move up. And it's only because... I heard so many people, even just one of my, my dear mentors, shout out to Tommy Caramella. Mm-hmm. He told me it took him nine years. That's ridiculous. And I'm like, nine years? Yeah. I, if yeah. I'm in, it, listen, if I'm in my ninth years, I have to be reffing it by, in Mars right now. By, <laughs> just cause there's, it, and you know, like, it, it starts kind of eating at you. And yeah. you probably don't have that experience because you got bumped up pretty quickly. But sure. it was more like, you do the JV game, you feel pretty good. Then you see the varsity crew and... and It's just like, why is it the same Uh, people all the time? Sure. So I just remember somebody came up to me, and I think it was McDade. And it was like the top 100 camp. And he's like, you, come here. I said, what? (laughs) He's like, you need a ref in the city. And I'm like, why? And the whole time I'm thinking, I ref five minutes away from my house. I ref at Island Garden. Sure. Why would I ever drive (laughs) an hour and a half when all the games are here? I'm telling you. Yeah. You will get so much better, sure, and you'll love it. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. So, I thought about what he said, and I tried out for the Catholic League, and it changed everything. It really opened up my eyes to what city basketball can be. And I just yeah. remember coming back home and feeling like it's only a matter of time sure. that this is going to happen. So I did get moved up. Sure, but funny, we should say this. I had my first game was with the Doc. <laughs> the and Doc. I've had all this experience Mm -hmm. doing like three-person games in the city, doing Mm -hmm. games where there's like 5,000 people, and I was still nervous. Of course, of course. It feels feels so different in Nassau County, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because it's my home, but how would you describe a varsity basketball game in Nassau County?
1: So Tom Casey taught me a good lesson. I'm going to give you lessons all day because everybody's taught me lessons, and I've taken them. Tom Casey told me when your schedule comes out, Don't look at your games. Look at your partners. And what I'm trying to get at, you got Master Peak with Farmingdale. Big games you want to see. You want to see the Baldwins. You want to see the Union Dales. You want to see all these teams. You want to do these big games. I don't care what your game is. Your partner's going to make or break you. Mm. So I don't care if I'm doing Master Peak Farmingdale or I'm doing Team A, Team B on the bottom ring. I am going out there. I'm nervous. I'm giving it my best shot. I'm not worried about who the opponents are. I'm worried about me and my partner, Mm. and your partner can make or break you. I mean, you know that. I mean, you know. I'm just trying to be real here. I'm not trying to downplay anybody, but your partner can make or break you. So, I get my schedule. I love having those big games with those big crowds. Nothing like it in the world. You know, you've been there. Yeah. But your partner is what's going to make or break you. But listen, I, I do the Catholic leagues out here. I do, the Bowsies out here. I don't do any city ball. I don't do any of that stuff. I get just as excited here as I get anywhere else. I really do. I I just love it. I love being out there. I love the camaraderie with everybody. I love working with the kids. I do. I do. I really do. You never wanted to gander out in the city to see what it was like Um, I think when I I think the reason I didn't when I first got into officiating when I was I guess 30, I'm gonna say. My son was just born, mm-hmm. and my daughter was on the way. It was just too much. I was working nights, and it was trying to just juggle this Nassau thing. It was just it was too much at the time. It was just way too much at the time. But it, you always heard, especially in that Catholic League in the city, that was the it's, way to go. That crazy. was the way to go. It's crazy. Yeah.
0: At my first game, I just got thrusted on a varsity game. Mm-hmm. The assigner was there, and I never did a freshman or a JV game. Yeah. Yeah. I just got lucky. Sure. I'm thinking, like, how am I getting lucky here? But when I get back home, I'm going back to these junior high games, which is always perplexing. But, you know, I think that experience that I've had, I have been able to be at least identified by some of the younger generation as a mentor to kind of try try to figure out how to navigate because there is a bit of navigating in these things. It's not one of these things where there's a discernible way that you have to treat this. It's kind of like one thing happens, then you have to treat it this way, and then this happens, then you have to treat it that way. What kind of advice would you give to somebody an aspiring official mm. that's trying to elevate to that varsity level, what kind of advice would you give?
1: First thing is take every game serious, man. Take every game serious with the minute to go or a minute into the game. I think my, What frustrates me the most is you get into a game and uh, it's a blowout. And you know, Ralph, it gets tough, man. You get into a game where you know it's a 30, 35, 40 point game and there's really not much going on. It, 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 at times it's tough to keep that concentration level. But what I don't like is when these games start to get out of hand and the kids come off the bench who don't play as often, and the refs kind of throwing a towel with them. kind of just let them go. And there's not really many whistles. Got to give these kids the same opportunity as you give other kids, mm-hmm. man. Just do it. Just stay real on the court. You can't get frustrated by Nassau County and the way Boce does their things. They have a certain way how guys get to the next level. Right. It's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect, right. but it's the way they do it. Mm-hmm. There are guys, there are a lot of guys, a lot of years like yourself, man. We 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 go to a, how many JV junior high games we can look at and be like that guy that guy yep. that guy many times and you'll I'll go to him up after a game I go man how long you been doing this you know ten years T- ten years what Would well, you just move out here what were you doing in Montana what do you mm. mean no I've been doing it ten years here I go wait well, I don't even know your name how how do, how do I not even know who you are yep. so that's why we got this Big Brothers program we're trying to get these younger kids that look mm-hmm. Bosis is now giving us a little leadway where we can take a young official give a name not care what his ranking is and say, hey, listen, someone's got to take a look at this guy. And they are, at least we're hoping, they're going to take our word for some of these younger guys to be able to put these guys where they should be Mm -hmm. and onto a road for them to succeed. Mm -hmm. And maybe not even go just to the varsity level. Some of these guys go to that next level, man, if that's what they want to do. But there's no perfect storm. You just can't get discouraged, man. you got to keep plugging away, keep getting better. Find those partners who are into it. Watch, learn, take notes, take a little from Ralph, take a little from Tom Casey, take a little from Joe Gaskin, take a little from Chris Tranchina, take a little from all these guys, and make it your own. Mm-hmm. And just keep working hard, man.
0: Yeah, and listen, I'll enhance that particular point mm. by, you know, I think the minute you stop complaining about what you don't have mm. and start focusing on the things that you do have sure, it really opens up your, your your thoughts. And also, at the same time, when we were talking about that Big Brother program, you know, closed mouths don't get fed. So if you're too busy complaining mm. and you're not really being open-minded of trying to figure sure. out a way to get there, mm. I know for me, I force my way. I'm sure. saying, what do I need to do? Who do I need to speak to? Who do I need to do? What do I need to yeah. do to get observed to a JB? Mm. That's what I do sure. to be proactive. And I've,
1: Well, you actually called me a year or two ago and said, I want to critique. How, Marty, how do I get into this? Yeah. You sent me an email. said, yeah. Marty, Ralph, want to get into this? Come down, Ralph. Yeah. I, know, I, I know you. Come down. Right. Come down. Help us critique. Mm-hmm. We get... On a night, 12 to 15 varsity officials critiquing these young kids. And they're getting 12 varsity good officials critiquing their game, giving them criticism. Now everybody's criticism is going to be different. And that's their biggest complaint. Why is this guy telling me to to blow my whistle here and stay in this area when this guy... you got to take it all, take it all in, and make it your own. Mm -hmm. That's my only advice. But we need guys like you. We need young officials that want to help. Come down, help us. Help us get these young kids on this board to where they want to be. I, listen, I don't want anybody taking my job. And I see some of these young kids, cats like <laughs> you running around. I don't want this guy taking my job, man. But you know what? I love the board. I really do. Mm. I want to see it succeed. I love to hear about a kid who comes up through the ranks, gets to that college level. Next thing I know, I want to see him on Channel 2 doing a nice mm. big college game. That would make me smile. That's what I, and that's what I love about the Big Brothers program. Joe Mikulowski, Joe Brian Descala. I work for them. They're, you know, A1, A and A1. I'm like B6, but I do what they tell me. I love working with them. They do a great job with it. We just want to keep it going. We want to get all young officials to that next level.
0: It's sad to think that even around a year ago, this time was when we normally would have the top 100. And it's like very strange that we're not going through the rigmarole of like we're getting ready Mm. for the season. And you're right. We would be getting our schedule. But, um, you know, you mentioned Tom Casey. You mentioned... Bobby Testa and, of course, mm. Scott, who did your first game. Mm. If you can list any other mentors that you have, what they've done for your career and how do you think they've shaped the way you've helped people
1: after you? God, I was afraid of this question because I, I uh, there are so many and I'm not going to go through everybody because I wouldn't remember anyone. Let me
0: tell you, uh, th- this is always a bone of contention. Every time somebody's on, they'll text me and tell me like, yo, I forgot something.
1: I'm telling you, I know. And once I walk out of here, I'm going to be kicking myself in the butt. But guys like Ross Tenzer, Dave Merrillis. Joe Gaskin, uh, Chris just uh, Roger Glazier, John Grice, a million guys. But if I had to say three, if I had to say three, not in any particular order, Tom Casey. Tom Casey, when I did my first semifinal game, getting to the locker room, it's me, him and Joe Gaskin. So I'm garage kept right there. Right there. I'm I'm walking on cloud nine. I got two goons of of the of the of the sport. Tom's the R. Joey's the U1. I'm U2. Tommy great pregame as we're about to go out he goes you're tossing buddy. <laughs> but I mean I mean it, my stomach sank but man the confidence I had just for him to say Marty you got this you're tossing toss it high baby unbelievable Eddie Rosenthal has been just I've known Eddie since I was a young kid I did one of my, my first year in Boston I did a game with him and he was nothing but terrific with me I've been fortunate to work a lot of games with him Eddie has been nothing but great tough criticism sometimes hey, he'll you tell you listen. how it is <laughs> oh God, he'll something. tell you how it is but it's out of love baby if he's That's not true. telling you how it is he don't love you I agree and Johnny Zeitler Johnny Zeitler is now retired the Carolinas Johnny Zeitler was another guy man he would just he'd call you after a game and and, and I'd be like Johnny I think I kicked this one I blew this one I did this and he'd talk you off that ledge and then he'd tell you you got to do this next mm. time step up you're better than that but those three guys in particular and there's there's many more again Ralph I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my mind because I'm gonna go home and think of a million more but those three in particular really uh, look up to those guys. I really do.
0: Well, before I ask you the next question, I would also be remiss to just talk about your your peers because those are also mentors too that you pick around ideas that you've you've grown into the game of officiating with them. I'm just going to give you an opportunity to speak on those people
1: too. <laughs> oh God! I'm trying to
0: get you into the maximum amount of trouble.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, Ralph. This just I, I can't even. I can't even begin to say uh, There's just so many, Ralph I don't even I wouldn't even know How to answer that, bro There's just so many guys Out there that just uh, It's just a tough question To answer, man It's just a tough question To answer It's just you. so many so many, so many Well,
0: listen Shout out to uh, Eddie Rosenthal One day maybe He'll come on this show He's always like ah, Doing well with the radio show, huh? Oh, oh yeah right.
1: Don't worry Once he hears me on there He'll be like ah, You did this wrong You did that I'll show you how to do it, kid And then he'll be on it That's
0: so well, Hopefully I'll do it In the in dentist seat, too <laughs> while, while we're at it um,
1: Do you officiate anything else? I actually, uh, Walt and God rest his soul, my old uh, high school coach, football and lacrosse coach, also a Board 41 member back in the day, told me to get into girls' lacrosse. And I said, girls' lacrosse? I said, okay. The only thing I know about girls' lacrosse is it's not like boys' lacrosse. It's kind of totally opposite. He said, "Uh, don't worry about it. You're going to do it. I said, okay. i was was still intimidated intimidated by him now than I was then. So I took the class, did it for about two years, and uh, it's a great game. It's a great game. Uh, my A lot of my daughter's friends got nice college scholarships to mm-hmm. go play a great a great sport. It is a great game. I've learned to really love it, but it got to be a job to me. I don't need another job. You know, I got a job. I've been working my whole life. I'm going to wor- work till I'm six feet under. I don't want another job. I want to appreciate basketball. One sport I wish I would have tried was baseball. I wish I would have gave it an attempt, but... What does every basketball official tell you about baseball? Kid, there's no no clock. Can't do it. There's no clock to I be there forever. Yeah, I kept ignoring that. Yeah, you know what? And I should have. And I'm so upset with myself. And not that I can't there's go no out time. there and do it. No, I know I can. I, I really want to pull the trigger on it. And I, I, I just baseball was my first love and i always thought that if i was ever going to get into the officiating game it would be baseball yeah but i'm so happy it's basketball (laughs) well
0: listen i I would um i'm going to reserve part two for the the possibility of you doing baseball Um, i got a funny story about baseball so i'm doing a middle school game basketball and (laughs) i'm i'm reffing with this guy named bob and after a timeout he's like Have you ever thought about doing baseball? I went, hell no, because of what we always hear. There's no clock. I already do boys lacrosse, so I don't know if I really have time to do that. He's like, you'd be good. I'm like, how do you know I'd be good? He's like, I could just tell. You you got it, kid. Mm -hmm. And he convinced me to do it. And the only reason why he convinced me, he was like, I'm the assigner for the Catholic League. I said, all right. (laughs) I take it. Now, the difference between you and me is that I definitely grew up on baseball, but not playing it. I only grew up on baseball because I had no cable. So all I watched was Met games and Yankee games. And that was really, like, my education in sports. And it was always, like, you know, bad Met teams. Terrible, terrible Yankee teams when they weren't that good yet. And I remember my first experience doing a junior high game. Now, remember, I've only watched professional baseball. Like, I don't have a conceptualization of Little League and that they can't catch and they can't throw. (laughs) So I remember my first game, I had my, like, Apple Watch. I had no cup. And the kid could barely throw. And I went, oh, my <laughs> God, this is not what I thought it would be. But, some, but for some reason, when you get to the varsity level, and, I mean, these kids are throwing heat and doing curveballs, right. there's really nothing better. And, and I often say, as much as I love basketball, there is, there is always, like, that one day where these two pitchers are just battling it out. And, I mean, they're, they're just they're tossing heat. They're baffling every single yeah. batter. I mean, it, it's already in the sixth inning. It's only been 40 minutes. Those are the days that I still would rather do baseball <laughs> than basketball. <laughs> and it's like, wow, I can't believe that I got this. Good. And I feel like such a faker because I never played. Sure. But when you're an official, you're an official. Absolutely. And you can completely sure. figure it out. And there's nothing like being behind the plate. Yeah. It's in it, so I'm, I don't know why I'm trying to convince But it's funny you right,
1: when you mentioned before when he said, even without watching you do baseball, not even knowing if you knew baseball, saying you got it. There's yeah. something about. It. It's funny. You could see a. I could see a kid sometimes just the way they run and the first yeah. time they blow the whistle. And it's like, wow, mm. something about this kid. He might not know the rules. Right. Have no idea. Something about him. Something about him. He's he's got something. Right. He's got something. Which leads me to
0: my next point, and I, I find this interesting because, you know, I could have I could have met you, when I was at the junior high level. I could have met you at the JV, but. The first time we really did a game, I was already, like, seasoned. Sure. Right? And you probably have met some, so many people, you know, that have been at the higher level that you already seasoned, mm-hmm. but there was always those times where sometimes you second-guess yourself. Maybe I'm not ready for this. Maybe mm-hmm. this is too much. And, you know, it's really funny in the officiating game, especially when you see somebody younger and you're like, you think about the steps subconsciously of, like, how you got to this point, but you can't really quantify how you got to that point. You just say to them, you just need some more time. And it's like that whole. Yeah. What does that mean? It's, sure. it's kind of like the, a, a hidden, a hidden book that you're supposed to find, and then all of a sudden. But it's it's really reps, and it's really just so. continuously being there. So, I guess what I wanted to ask you is, you know, what kept you still enthusiastic from your first day to now, to just keep wanting to get better, and, and what kept you from not
1: quitting? Sure. Uh, I, there's actually two things. One was the group of friends I made officiating. It seems like the the group of guys that I got tight with really wanted the same thing I wanted we all wanted to get not so much to that next level but we wanted to be as we said before we wanted to be recognized by our peers it's important it's something we really really wanted to do we go out on that court we want to give it the best job we can I want to go home and look in the mirror you know I don't care what my rating is with the coach they could hate me they could love me I want to know that me and my partner went out there we took care of business we controlled the game we did the best we could So having that group of people who wanted the same thing that I did was really important to me. Also, just the fact that I love the game, man. I just love the game. I always wanted to get better at it. I get a high when I officiate. I still get nervous. I still get nervous even with, you know, midway through the season in a game that's really not on paper supposed to be this greatest game in the world or the most talented teams on Long Island. I still get little butterflies. And I always said once those butterflies go away... I might have to think about hanging up my sneakers and, mm. and, and saying, maybe this isn't for me anymore. you know. Mm. It, but when those Catholic games come out and those you know, BOCES games come out, I, I do. I get excited. I miss it, Ralph. We spoke about this before. Yeah, I really I, I, I do. I miss too. it. I wasn't sure I was going to miss it as much as I do. Mm. I do miss it, man. I I, I I, I miss game night. I really do. I miss game night. I always like to go to camps. I went to a few camps. I like to work on my game. Yeah, I, know.
0: I don't know if this is breaking news now, but I think, In this pandemic, I've realized that I probably want to stay home more and I want to nurture what I have here more so than coming to the city. I got you. It's your passion, Um, baby. If if you had to pinpoint the attributes as to, like, I guess what your secret is of longevity, not Mm. so much the enthusiasm part, but just staying, Mm. you know, physically primed for it, Mm. being sharp with this. And also, I guess, taking a lot of time off and then still being able to come to the season fresh. Sure.
1: Yeah. And keep learning, man. I don't care how long you've been doing it, you keep learning. I, I, I always said the one part of my game that I could always use improvement is is game control with players and coaches. Sometimes I let the boo birds get to me. Sometimes I let the little guys in the stands get to my ear or the coaches getting on me. And sometimes I let it get to me, and it and it affects me. And, and, and I, I know when it starts affecting me, when I start looking over and I start peeking into the stands and I start peeking or I start looking at that kid or looking at that coach funny. Eddie Rosenthal always tells me, just leave them alone, man. Just do your game. Ignore it. In one ear, out the other. I need to get better at it. I know I do. Mm-hmm. And, and just keep, every time I work with somebody, I try to take something from them. Always. Always try to take a little piece of everybody's game and make it my own. Continue to improve. I don't care if you're a Division I official or you're a, an older varsity guy like me, man. Just keep going out there. Find something to improve on. Every year I go in to the year saying, this is what I improve on. One would be clock management. One would be coach management. One would be positioning as a lead official. Whatever it may be. But I pick a subject to really concentrate on, to improve on, and hopefully it continues. Mm. Again, I know I keep throwing this Big Brothers. This is why I love the Big Brothers program. I love to be able to give back what people gave to me to these younger officials. Mm. They could take what I say, use it, or they can discard it. Doesn't matter. Give them options. I want to see these young kids Really want to see these young kids get to that next level, get to where they want to be and make this board proud. I love this board. I really do.
0: That's great to hear, man. And funny you should say that Mm. with uh, when we had our St. Dom's Kennedy Catholic
1: game,
0: (laughs) I'm always listening because I just always find it funny. and It always inspires me to write something on my website. So I remember the coach was getting so upset. He was getting killed by St. Dom's. And I remember he's like, "What? What's up with these refs? Mm. What are they making a Long Island Iced <laughs> yes, and I was yes, like, yes, "Save, yes, yeah. that so. <laughs> That's right. I didn't even get a chance to tell you <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. I had him two weeks later in Brooklyn. Okay. And they played Crystal Ray. Crystal Ray is like, it's like the old Shamanaj. Uh, okay. Even smaller than that. Yeah. And I just remember he's like, "Man, you're, you're such a, you're such a great official." I'm like, "You don't remember telling me <laughs> the Long
1: Island ice <laughs> two well, weeks ago i have to admit i started that whole ball of fire because i made early in the game an illegal screen call on one of his kid he got so upset he called a timeout just to tell his kid what a great job he did in front of me and it was all downhill for me and then <laughs> losing by 30 doesn't help either but uh yeah i kind of i apologize for that i started that ball of fire with a eh, not so great call but That's
0: anyway right. he, he <laughs> laughed about it he also lost that game um, how did you get so involved on the administrative side of Board 41?
1: A few of the guys who were on the board at the time uh, said, hey, maybe it's a good idea to run. How about maybe putting your hat in to maybe become president one day? I said, you know what? This was maybe five or six years ago. I said, I, I don't know if that's for me. I said, it's no disrespect to the military, but you know, I'm a soldier. I'm a guy that you tell me what to do, I'm doing it. I'm not so much the guy to say, hey, let's do this. I like to just, I like to kind of be in the background. That's why I love the Big Brothers program. I got Joe, I got Brian, and then there's me. Love it. I love to be on the board. I love to give my input. I love to do whatever they ask me to do. I don't know if I'm that type of personality to be that president type. Just not me. I, we got plenty of guys out there. I got Tom Camerello. We got Al Johnson. We got Jimmy Z. All these guys are ready. Brian DeSalle, he's on the track. All these guys are going to be fabulous, 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 fabulous presidents. They don't need an no old timer like me. Tell me what to do. I'll work for you. That's mm. just my thing.
0: Mm. After everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a basketball official?
1: It just man i think it had a lot to do with loving it because i loved it which made me passionate which made me want to work at it i am not a guy by nature who takes const- constructive criticism too well but for some reason on the basketball court when i got a guys you any of these big guys any of these guys who i respect mm-hmm. that could tell me hey marty maybe you should try this maybe move over that way i'm i'm able to take that in i really am and uh it made me a better, better official that I'm able to listen to guys and watch guys. I love going to games. I love going to different games and just watching guys and just wanting to be like, man, I, I like what he does there. Mm-hmm. There's something about you, Ralph, and I can remember you. I remember telling you, and I can't remember what it is now. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm going to take that. I said, Ralph, I'm going to take what you do. I don't know if it was a timeout you did. It might have been the most minuscule thing, but something you do. I'm like, damn, I like that. I'm not going to tell him I'm doing it, but I'm going to take it. I'm going to use it. And that's how I roll And that's how I kind of blended my game Into my own And like you said I think if you had guys on the board Watching me officiate They'd kind of be like Well, you know You don't have to really give that extra <clears throat> That yeah, extra bet ban- no. That's just me I, yeah. I got that little Dance to my game As I like to call it As Eddie Rosenthal calls it The mambo I got my little mambo <laughs> to my game It just keeps me involved And it's like selling calls It's like you're coming out there And, and you get that block charge, man it can go either way. Man, you got to go. Bang, I got an offensive foul. I'm going out and I'm going to sell that corn. It might be a little aggressive at times, but that's just how I roll, baby. Mm. That's just how I roll.
0: What do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go as a basketball official?
1: I just want to keep working hard. I want to get to wherever I can. If they ask me to do a championship game, that's great. If they ask me to do a first round of the playoffs that game, if it's not in the cards for me, which it's been, I've had, you know, runs where I've done playoff games throughout. And then there was that, you know, actually it was last year. I just, I just, didn't do well my ratings were poor I think I had one playoff game and then I actually wound up getting snowed out I was supposed to work with Brian Jones and then the next game I couldn't do because I had a cards game and it just wasn't in the cards for me and then you know the following year I'm rated a little better I just wanted to give my best effort get to wherever it leads me bro I just want to keep learning keep doing it as the older I get I still think I got some years in me the older I get the more I see I want to help the younger guys move up take my spot eventually. I can't believe I'm saying it, right. You better not take my spot. But uh, it's really, I, I truly never thought I would feel like that, but I really do want to see these young kids on this board succeed. I think it's just, it says a lot for us. It says a lot.
0: No, I, I completely agree. If you can pinpoint one particular moment that has been the most stickiest situation that you've ever had as an official in basketball, what do you think it would be? Well,
1: there's a bunch, but uh, I'll narrow it down to one. As a young official, I had a certain coach. had a hard time. had a tough game. He let me know I had a tough game. And I went home, beat myself up a little bit, and then I looked on my schedule and realized I had him two more times that year. Uh, Second game didn't go much better. Mm -hmm. And the third game, the conversation pretty much went like, why don't you, as the coach grabs me during the timeout, why don't you just X me out and not do my games anymore? So I replied, why don't you X me out and not have me do your games anymore? So it kind of went like that. And uh, it, it, it was tough because it's a coach that a lot of people respect. When I tell the story and I tell the name, people say, "Really? Oh, but that really—you had a for whatever reason we didn't click. He just didn't like the way my game was called, and and he let me know it. And it was tough. I never, never rexed him out. Never X'd him out. I think for a while he might x me out because I didn't get him, but I've worked for him since, and it's been better. It's going to happen. Sometimes you go out there. You know, Ralph, you can have a coach that's yeah. just, uh, you know, some of them can be tough, and this one was particularly tough on me, and uh, I just remember going back home and seeing I had him two more times, and I'm like, God, I'm <laughs> like, hitting stomach here, yeah. Day. I'm like, oh, man, it was like two back-to-backs, and and they were all three games where he's like, two-point games they seemed to seem like every block charge came my way and every tip out of bounds was in my area and it, oh, it was sounds just, about right oh i was just crazy but uh besides the thousand other sticky situations that one really sticks out yeah. because uh i was happy i stuck it through mm. i survived right yeah. still here still officiating still doing my thing still invited in his gym and you grow from it man you grow from it you know yeah. it's just uh i learned not to take it that hard uh, you make a call and sometimes we know we make a call. As soon as we make it, we say, oh, mm-hmm. whoa. Mm-hmm. And they kind of get into you. Man, you just got to let it go, man. You just got to keep going. It's like striking out in baseball, man. You got to get back up the next time you play. You got to forget about it. Yeah, see, I'm okay glad.
0: with somebody telling me about a Long Island Ice tea if they're from Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> but when it's coming from Hall of Fame coach Tommy Diana, who's my sixth grade gym teacher. First time I moved up. Uh-huh. I remember I was doing a, a, a scrimmage in Uniondale, <laughs> and he's like, "You made varsity! Congratulations!" I can't wait to yell with you. I'm like, what does that mean? So I had him in a game, uh-huh. and I didn't. I didn't know how to feel. I'm like, it's my gym teacher yelling at me. Like, wait, 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 I thought you know <laughs> me. I have known the guy for thirty years, and he's talking crazy to me. Oh, I, I much rather not know him man, oh, than dude. the way the way I know him. That's, <laughs> will always be my sticky situation because. Hello, hello Mr. Diana. teacher. <laughs> Good
1: stuff, man. Um, Good if you stuff. could
0: pinpoint one of your best moments ever, what is your best moment?
1: Uh, you know what? There's just so many I'm so proud of and love and have so many great memories. I, I really got to go. Well, I, I'll go back to my first championship game. It was the C Finals. Wheatley. Gosh, I can't remember what the other team was, but I was with Kenny Apple and Jimmy Borick. I was so excited to be there. And here's these two guys that like get a C final like on there, you know. <laughs> every day of the week. And here's me and I'm the kid in the locker room banging my head off the wall and they're just like, we're gonna be fine, we're gonna have a good game. And it was it, it was my first final, so it was I was really happy, really proud. And I gotta go back to that semifinal game with Tommy Casey when he gave me the ball to toss it high. I mean, that was just uh it's like a little kid, man, like a little kid on Christmas that this this guy, Tommy Casey, to me. Was for, as far as high school officiating in Nassau County was the pinnacle, man. He was, he was it, and he's like, kid, and I wasn't a kid at the time, but yeah, toss it, baby. Let's do this. Let's have fun. It was great. It's great.
0: Listen, man, continued success awesome, in all things you do. Final question I had to yeah. you: officiating has brought you some clarity in your life. Yeah. It's brought you so many um, great camaraderie and friendships that I know will last a lifetime. And I know you're still trying to hang on. I, I disagree. You're. Mm you got a lot of in left in the no, tank. I appreciate that,
1: bro. What
0: is what is basketball officiating mean to you? What is it given to you in your
1: life? Oh God, it's giving me everything. It's giving me. I'm telling you, I've met guys. <laughs> I've met guys that I consider like dear friends, dear dear friends. I can I, I can rattle them off forever, but it's it's that to me gave me a group of people that some I spend holidays with. You know, I go out. After basketball games, we have Friday night times we go out, and we just, it's really given me that friendship on a totally different level. I still, I'm, my mother always told me, You're so fortunate. You have eight to nine to ten guys that you went to grammar school with that you're still close with. Mm. You know, that's it. It's pretty unique. That's, that's cool. It's pretty crazy, right? Yeah. We, call, we call ourselves the Gotham Gang because our school was Gotham Avenue in Elmont, so we call ourselves the Gotham Gang. And, uh, and I'm still close with these cats. I got like a whole new, I got a whole new Gotham gang. Mm -hmm. And it's, 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 it's it's awesome, bro. And it's, and it's awesome. And it's a passion. It's a passion for me. And it's something that I want to do forever. I want to go out like Barry Sanders, man. I want to go out on top. You know what I mean, Ralph? Mm -hmm. I don't want to go out and be like, why is that guy? He's not even getting up the court anymore. And that's why I think me getting on the board and, and working with the Big Brothers program Mm -hmm. is going to keep me involved. And uh, it's all good, Ralphie. I love it. Yeah, I, love it, yeah. I love it, I love I, it, I love I feel
0: like this whole, all this media yeah. stuff is going to get me off the court. This man. is, uh, dude, I hope so.
1: <laughs> One, I hope it's, this succeeds to no end, and I hope you don't take my job. I kept saying that. <laughs> <it. laughs> uh, thank you, man. Dude, f- thank you, man. I'm so excited. Any thank you for this, bro.
0: Any final words you want to say before you uh, go Dude, good luck
1: with everything, bro. Good luck with everything. You're going to go man. as far as you want to go, bro. But I appreciate this. Thank you.
0: When do you think we're going to get back on the court? And be real, be real, because I, I think everything's going to get back to normal summer 2022. And I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people, yeah. but... That's what it looks like. Right. I'm going to
1: play the optimistic card. We're going to be back on the court for a two-month season this year. How about that? I'll be there. All right, brother. Dude, thanks for everything, man. Yeah,
0: I'm looking forward to being back on the court with you. Marty Schaffriller, Ralph the Ref. This is The ramp. We are signing out. Peace.